Hear the word of God from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. This reading comes from the Common English Bible, but you can find this reading on page 854 in the Pew Bible. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but, being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and save the lost. The word of God for the people of God. I have to confess to you this morning that I have been understanding Zacchaeus all wrong for most of my life. I thought I knew him. I thought I knew his story. I grew up with his story, like many of you, singing the Sunday school songs and hearing countless numbers of sermons about him. But I discovered something this week that has utterly transformed the way I view Zacchaeus and this story. And I've had to learn this valuable lesson, that sometimes our preconceived notions about people are proven false. First, I want to introduce you to a woman named Kamanda Ngozi Adichie. She was born in Nigeria in 1977. Now, I don't know what kinds of images come to mind when you think of people living in Nigeria in the 1970s, but you might be surprised to hear that Kimamanda Adichie grew up in a conventional middle-class family, not one of poverty. Her father was a professor, her mother was an administrator, and in fact, they were wealthy enough to be able to hire some live-in domestic help, a house servant, if you will. Now, if you are at all surprised to hear that about Kimamanda's background, given what you might have thought and might have assumed about people from Nigeria, then that is precisely the point. Sometimes our preconceived notions about people are proven false. In her 2009 TED Talk, Kimamanda describes the same the same lesson that she had to learn in a surprising way. 
Their live-in domestic help, their house servant, was a young man named Fide. And Kimamanda had developed a preconceived notion of house servants and their way of life. She had assumed that Fide was from a poor family where every person in the family was uncultured and unskilled and unproductive. You can imagine her surprise when one day Kimamanda went over to visit Fide's family out in the villages, only to discover that, in fact, every member of his family were skilled craftsmen, creators of beautiful hand-woven baskets. In her TED Talk, she says, I was startled. It had not even occurred to me that anybody in his family could actually make something. All I had heard about them was how poor they were. So it had become impossible for me to see them as anything else but poor. Their poverty was my single story of them. There's more to Kimamanda's story. Later, when she turned 19, she came to the United States to go to college. And her roommate had never met anyone from Africa before. And so her roommate was shocked that Kimamanda could speak fluent English. Kimamanda had to inform her roommate that, in fact, in Nigeria, English was the official language. Her roommate didn't know what to do with that. Later in the semester, her roommate got up the courage to ask Kimamanda if she could listen to some of her, in her words, tribal music, and was equally surprised when Kimamanda reached into her backpack and pulled out the CD she was listening to, an album of Mariah Carey. Sometimes people are not what you first presume them to be. And that gets us back to Zacchaeus. Again, I will confess to you that I have been understanding Zacchaeus all wrong. I thought I knew his story. I thought I had labeled him in the right way. In fact, the chapter that I wrote in my book on Zacchaeus, the same chapter that many of you may have read leading up to this Sunday, is based on one of the most common ways that the church has gotten to know Zacchaeus throughout its history. But as it turns out, there is more to people than the single story that we use to label them. You know the common way that we've come to understand Zacchaeus. The thing that Luke wouldn't want us to miss, of course, is that he is a tax collector. And because he's a tax collector, Luke would remind us that everyone hated him because people hated tax collectors. The Judean people had developed a single story, if you will, about tax collectors like Zacchaeus because after all, he, would have been, he was a cheat and a thief and a liar. Tax collectors bilked the common people for their money in order to give it to Rome, to give it to the evil empire so that they could amass great riches, build up militaries, and create huge buildings, all for the purpose of oppressing the common people. 
Of course, there are other fun little details that you and I know about the Zacchaeus story. We know that he's not only a tax collector, he's also short. And so he climbed up a tree as Jesus was passing by because the crowds were so thick, he climbed up that tree to see over their heads in order to catch a glimpse of Jesus, only to discover that Jesus, in fact, had been watching him the whole time. And you know that Jesus called out to Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. In fact, I'm coming over to your house for dinner tonight. We know those parts of the story very well. But then we also remember that later that night, it was in Zacchaeus' house that the crowds were watching, the onlookers were watching, and they were grumbling to themselves. And they said out loud, Jesus has gone to be the guest of this one who is a sinner. Which is a way of asking, why in the earth would Jesus want to hang out with this scumbag? What is going on here? Why would Jesus want to hang out with him? And then... And then comes that point in the story that we have always thought was the twist in the story. That moment that we have always assumed was the turning point in the story. In the New Revised Standard Version and in the New International Version of the Bible, in fact, in most of our translations, this is what Zacchaeus says to Jesus after dinner. He says, look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay them back four times as much. It's a remarkable moment, so we think, because it is in this moment that Zacchaeus is so full of remorse and repentance and surrender that he has become a changed man. We believe in this moment he has seen the wickedness of his ways and he has turned his life over to Jesus. And because of that, Jesus then says, today salvation has come down upon this house. That is what I have always believed happens in this story. That Zacchaeus is changed in this moment. And I've always thought that this is simply a story of what happens when someone turns their life over to Jesus, when surrenders the fullness of who they are and decides never to go back to their evil ways. In fact, I even wrote a chapter in my book based on this premise. That's why we called it the uncertainty of surrender. In fact, for weeks, our whole worship team has been banking on this understanding of the story to create a service whose elements all fit together nicely and cleanly around the idea of surrender. And I came into this week fully expecting that what I would share with you today is that you need to surrender just like Zacchaeus did and turn your life over to God and experience the same dramatic change that we have known Zacchaeus to have made in that story. But sometimes... People are not always what you presume them to be. This past week, I came across a bit of information that has transformed my view of this story. David Lose is a biblical scholar and a seminary president, and he has concluded, to the agreement of many other biblical scholars, 
that many of the versions, many of the translations that translate Zacchaeus' words to Jesus are all wrong. Whereas most versions translate his response to Jesus in the future tense, Zacchaeus was actually speaking in the present tense. Here's the difference. If Zacchaeus is speaking in future tense verbs, then when he said, Lord, I will give half my possessions to the poor, and I will pay back fourfold those who I have cheated, then this again is a story about the dramatic change within Zacchaeus, his change of heart, and the salvation that he has received as a result of that change. But Zacchaeus is speaking in the present tense. He says, Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor. And those who are cheated by this wretched, unfair tax system, I pay them. I already pay them back four times what they have been cheated right out of my own pocket. Surprise! Because he is speaking in present tense, the way the common English Bible renders it, then the great twist in this story is that Zacchaeus, this supposed wretched scum of a man, is much more noble. He is much more generous. And he is much more God-fearing than anyone expected him to be. Including the crowds including us, including the senior pastor of this church. And that means that the great indictment in this story is not on Zacchaeus. The great indictment in this story is on the crowds. It's on us. It's on the crowds who cast judgment on Zacchaeus because of who they thought he was. It's cast on the crowds who thought they could label Zacchaeus with the way they presumed him to be. It's on any of us who lump people into a category and assign upon them a single story, one that we use to cast judgment on people without even getting to know them first. And that brings us back to Kimamanda Adichie. Do you want to know the title of her 2009 TED Talk? It's called The Danger of a Single Story. Just like the family of Kimamanda's houseboy, who was a lot more skilled and a lot more cultured and a lot more productive than she assumed they were, just like Kimamanda herself was a lot more cultured and fluent in English than her roommate presumed her to be, we are as guilty as the crowds in this story. In the way that we fail to see an individual's worth and dignity and value because we are blinded by the labels that we have assigned them. So, if today is about surrender, 
If there is anything we are compelled to surrender today, it is the single labels that we assign to people without actually acknowledging the possibility that they are people of worth and people of value and that they may have virtues that we may not have expected. Of course, the central metaphor in this story of Zacchaeus is that he was a tax collector. That was the label that people put on him. But, but what if this were a story for modern times? What if, for example, what if Zacchaeus were Muslim? What, what if Zacchaeus were homeless? What if Zacchaeus were gay? What if Zacchaeus were an undocumented immigrant? What if Zacchaeus were a right-wing Republican? What if Zacchaeus were a left-wing Democrat? The list could go on and on. You could, you could fill in the blank yourself with the kinds of labels we assume about people, because then, then it would get downright difficult. Because if we were to really translate the perception that people back then had of tax collectors into the similar kinds of guttural responses we have against certain kinds of people today, then what if Zacchaeus were from a family of white supremacists? What if Zacchaeus were a convicted sex offender? Well, then we'd be asking the same question the crowds did, wouldn't we? Why on earth would Jesus hang out with him? Luke loves doing this to us, by the way. The Gospel of Luke loves to push these buttons on us, whether we like it or not, more than, more than any of the other Gospels. He's always the one that's tweaking us in this way, to challenge us in this way. Luke alone asks this question. He says, you want someone to be the mother of our Messiah? How about an unwed teenage girl? You want someone to receive a blessing from Jesus? How about a Samaritan? A foreigner, a despised foreigner. Oh, and to compound it, a Samaritan woman at the well in broad daylight. Do you want someone whose faith impresses Jesus like nobody else in the entire story? How about a Canaanite? Not just a foreigner, the sworn enemy of the Jews. How about that person impressing Jesus with his faith? Over and over again, Luke reminds us that people have more value than the categories we lump them into. And there is no single story that we can use to describe them all. You know how the story ends, right? It ends with Jesus saying, today salvation has come to this household. And if you look at that original Greek word for household, you discover that Jesus is not just saying that salvation has come to Zacchaeus. 
That word for household can also be translated as community, as social group, as economy, as social structure. In other words, Jesus is saying that in this moment, salvation has come to everyone, not just to this tax collector, but to every single person watching as their preconceived notions of people have evaporated. To every person who watched as their single story that they had assumed about Zacchaeus disappeared, salvation has come to them. In other words, don't assign your single story to judge someone else except for one single story. Jesus reminds us that there is only one label that can apply to all of us because in that moment Jesus says, today salvation has come to this household because he, Zacchaeus, is a child of Abraham, just like you. He is a child of God and a child of the promise, just like you. That is is the one and only single story that we can apply to all people, that all of us are children of God, loved by God all the same. At the end of the day, this sermon is, in fact, after and about surrender. It is about yielding our perspectives and our priorities and our prejudices over to a God whose grace is wide enough and deep enough to love us all and to challenge us to love people in the same way, as hard as it might be. Because after all, all of us, all of us are children of the promise. Let us pray together. And so, O oh God, we hear you, that you are calling us to surrender, to surrender the deep-seated and well-harbored prejudices and labels that we have used to characterize others, not just in general terms, but even those whose harm caused to us has afflicted us in deeply personal ways. You challenge us today to see the worth of individual people, to expand our vision of your love and your care for all people. And you remind us that there is no person outside the reach of your love. Help us, God, to love others and to find in each person their sacred value and worth. Oh God, as we round the corner and enter the home stretch of Lent and journey into Holy Week. Every day we confess to you all that holds us back and surrender to you every narrow-minded way that we see each other and even see ourselves. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to believe that your love is wide and deep enough to love each one of us and empower us to do the same. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, Amen.